is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman. Whip. is that really in the Bible? Recently, someone asked me a question. It said, why did God give Moses the command, especially you shall not kill, and yet after they passed the Red Sea, the children of Israel, referring to the children of Israel passing the Red Sea, God commanded them to kill everyone in their path. When Jews took any city in their path to the Promised Land, they literally killed every woman, child, and they did this at God's command, who also told them not to kill anyone. I really don't understand that. So I want to address this issue today of thou shall not kill. Now I think a lot of people when they come up to these conundrums in the Bible and these examples like I've just like the question I just read, they want to blame God. They, they often people use it to refute the Bible, to disprove God, to hate on God. Uh, to discredit the Bible and God. You know, they say, well, you see, look at little cow, look what God did. He, he, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth or whatever. Well, let's take a look at it. Exodus 20 and verse 13 says, you shall not kill. Now, the correct translation there is you shall not murder. All right, there's a big difference between, and I'm, I'm going to explain this, there's a big difference between murder and killing. Uh, what is the difference between killing and murder. Well, murder is basically premeditated. You know, murder is probably what, you know, O.J. Simpson did uh, to his wife. Uh, murder. Okay, that's premeditated. That's thought out. Okay, thou shall not murder is the correct translation. Jesus talks about premeditated murder, and he puts it like this, Matthew 5 and verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall be, say to his brother Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say, thy fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. In other words, premeditated murder begins in the mind. I mean, it's thought out. It's anger. It's hatred. It's, it develops over a long period of time. Yeah, you know, people don't just wake up and say, I think I'll go murder, some, murder someone today. That's not how it works. Uh, let's notice the difference between premeditated murder and killing here. In Exodus 21 and verse 14, it says, But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him of guile, you shall take him from thine, my altar that he may die. Okay. This is premeditated. It talks about coming upon a person presumptuously with guile, thought out, anger, hatred, premeditated, whatever. Uh, premeditated murder, obviously, again, begins in the mind. Now, let me say this. Killing in self-defense, killing in wartime is not wrong because it's not premeditated. Uh, you know, if, if, if someone breaks in your house to harm you or to kill you, it's perfectly okay to defend yourself, okay? And if necessary, grab the gun and shoot the person to stop them from harming you. 
uh, wartime. It's nothing wrong with killing in wartime as long as the war is just. As long as the war is just. My father fought in Germany, and I think that was a, a just war against Hitler. Uh, a very just war. So killing in wartime, as long as it's just, is okay. Now, Israel was an instrument in the hand of God to kill people during wartime. And it was a just cause. It was a just cause because God told them to do it. God is the one that told them to kill. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, what about turn the other cheek? Doesn't the Bible tell us to turn the other cheek? And probably what that's talking about is personal insult. I don't know if it's talking about necessarily bodily harm, someone coming up knocking your teeth out and you're just supposed to turn the other cheek. It's probably more about personal insult that we are to turn away from that and not get offended and not retaliate. I don't think it's talking about rolling over and play, playing dead. Now, in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 3, it says, Now, and go and smite Amalekite, and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now, here's what you've got to understand. The nations that God told to wipe out were sinful beyond our imagination. Their religion involved infant sacrifice, perversion of the worst kind, temple prostitution of little boys and little girls, evil, wicked people, and nation. You'll never understand why God did this, told Israel to go in there and just wipe them out, wipe them all out, men, women, and children, until you understand the kind of perversion and people that, that they were. Keep in mind, God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. If he allowed, and now hear this, if God allowed infant sacrifice, evil, murder, perversion of every kind to go on and on and on, he would not be a just God, would he? If he just allowed this perversion to go on, prostitution of boys and little boys and little girls, if he had just allowed it to go on, he would not be a just God. Yes, God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. Don't ever forget that. You've got to understand the nature of God. So many people just look at God as a loving God. He just loves us all. But no, yeah, he loves us all, but he's also a just God, and he will judge us, judge people, judge a nation according to their works. And, uh, yeah, I admit, it's hard to understand. Israel was an instrument in the hand of God to totally wipe out the evil of many nations. It is hard to understand, but you, you can only understand it when you realize that God also is a just God. Now, I want to look at a whole city that God destroyed. Genesis 13 and verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, okay, the type of sin, bestiality, homosexuality, men with men, women with women. This, was, this is where the name Sodom and Gomorrah came from. I mean, this, this is the type of behavior that we're talking about here. Now, in that city, there was one righteous man. His name was Lot. And God goes on a rescue mission to rescue Lot and his family. Now, God had to send two angels to rescue Lot and his family. And the angels, obviously, they were angelic beings, but they appeared as men. I guess they were nice-looking men. I don't know. But the people 
of the city gathered around the house and wanted to gang rape. Get this. The men wanted to gang rape the two angels. Now let's notice the story. Genesis 19 verse 4. But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young. So this gives you a, 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 a good point to go by. It had affected old, young, women, children, all of them. The perversion went all the way through, okay, to the family system. All the people from every quarter, it says. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men, talking about the angels, which came into this, this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now, the King James language, to know, basically means sexual intercourse. Again, they wanted to gang rape the two angels that went in. All right, this is the perversion. Okay, Genesis 19, verse 6. And Lot went out in, uh, at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Uh, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do unto them as good in your own eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for they, therefore they came under the shadow of my roof. Now this explains either one or two things. Now there's only two options we can look at with behavior a lot here. Either the influence of Sodom and Gomorrah had this kind of an effect on Lot, that he would say, here, take my two virginal daughters and, do with them, and offer them to a bunch of Sodomites. Or he just said it as a joke, knowing that the men didn't want the women. And I think the latter is true because I, I can't imagine any father offering his daughters to a pack of perverts, you know. So I think the latter is probably true. He just said it knowing that they wouldn't want the women, which gives you a degree of how deviant they had become. The influence this town had on Lot and his family was incredible. Genesis 19, verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the, from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, why did she become a pillar of salt? Well, because she looked back with yearning, with desire. She didn't, she couldn't. <laughs> the society had so permeated her own, you know, being that she desired it and wanted, and wanted to look back. She yearned for it. And the, the, she was past the point of no return, I guess you could say. Now, Lot and his two daughters moved into the mountains. Now, I want to look at an example of exactly what happened here, of just how perverted even the family system had become. Genesis 19, verse 31, And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in, in to us or after the manner of the, all the earth. Come, let us make our father drunk with wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve, preserve seed of our father. Now, we're talking about an incestuous relationship, incest, excuse me, in this family system. And so each one, each of the daughters there, had sex with their father. 
to preserve seed. So this is the influence. We're talking about the influence this town had on Lot and his family. It's incredible to see this. You see, here's how, this is how it works. First, we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who call it evil. And let me tell you something. In America, we're at that last point where we persecute those who call it evil. That's how far we have come as a nation. Not only have we overlooked evil, not only have we permitted evil, not only have we legalized evil, not only do we promote it, not only do we celebrate it, now we're coming to a point where we're going to persecute those who call sin, sin. You know, I don't know if you realize how close we may actually be living in a period of time called the, day, the beginning stage of the day of the Lord as our nation. I don't know if you realize just how close we are to the return of Christ uh, because things are getting really bad. The jig is up when people play dumb with God. When people, you know, transgenderism or whatever, you know, we don't know male from female. We don't, we don't acknowledge that God made them male and female. Yes, God made them male and female. We play dumb with God, and we pretend we don't know these things. Which end is up? Now, let me ask you a question. What hope would there have been for the children of Israel, and for the children of Israel that got wiped out, and for Sodom and Gomorrah? You see, the only way we can understand it is to realize that the suffering of the people and the suffering of the little children would be greater if God did nothing. If God would have just stood back and watched these evil nations that Israel destroyed and said, no, I'm just going to let them live out their days, all of the suffering. If God would have just stood back and let Sodom and Gomorrah just live out their lives and, and said, you know, I'm not going to do anything. The suffering of the little children, the suffering of the elder, the suffering of the people would have been greater if God did nothing. It was merciful for God to go in there and just wipe them out. He chose to annihilate them. What a lot of people don't understand is this. These cities and nations that God wiped out, where Israel was an instrument in the hand of God to totally wipe them out, wipe out the evil of many nations, these peoples and nations still have hope of a future resurrection. Now, it may not be a good resurrection, the resurrection of judgment, but it is a time when they will live again. Matthew 11 and verse 24, Jesus said this, But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. What is Jesus talking about? Another translation will say, I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on, the day, on judgment day than you. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about a future resurrection to judgment. Why? Well, I believe to be shown their wicked ways and to be given an opportunity to repent. Notice what else Jesus said. Matthew 11 and verse 23. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven, 
shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. I mean, this is incredible what Jesus is saying. He, Jesus is saying, if the people of Sodom and Gomorrah would have heard a message of repentance, they would still exist today. What's my point? The point is they didn't hear a message of repentance. No one preached to them. Can you blame them? I mean, can you blame people when they never hear a message of repentance and they die in their sins? And so Jesus is saying, look, you know, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment. Now, I, I think people just, they don't really understand what this resurrection to judgment is. Let's take a look at it in Revelation 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Now notice this. First of all, it says the books were open. That's the Bible, a collection of books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. Why is the book of life open at this point? There's only one reason the book of life would be open at this point, And that is to add new names to the book. Okay? That's the only reason. All right? Revelation 20 and verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered it up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Yeah, eventually there is coming this second death for which there is no hope afterwards. It's total destruction. It's the end of you. It's, it's not burning in a lake of fire for all eternity. It's not that. It, 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 it's just complete destruction of you. You exist no more. All right, so Sodom and Gomorrah experienced the first death. All right, they did. All the people and nations that died at the hands of God's justice, that God wiped out, men, women, and children, experienced the first death. And I believe all of them will be given a chance to repent and turn from their evil ways in the resurrection of judgment. So I think a lot of times people say, well, God just wiped out all these people and then that's it. Why did he even create them? As we read stories in the Bible, as we read stories of God's justice and as we read stories of God go using, using Israel as an instrument in the hand of God to kill a bunch of people. And we think, well, that's it. He just wiped them out. And we don't realize, no, that's not the end of their life. They're gonna come up, even though they were wicked people, they're going to come up in a resurrection of judgment. And might I also add, I mean, don't think everyone's going to turn from their wicked ways. Not everyone is going to turn. Some of them will not repent. And those are the ones who will have to be destroyed in a lake of fire. They will experience the second death for which there is no life afterwards. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Traditional Christian teachings about hell would consign at least 80% or more of humanity straight to an eternal and never-ending torment in an ever-burning hell when they die. Is this really the action of a just and merciful God? Order your free copy of If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? 
If you have ever been concerned about the spiritual condition of a lost loved one, then you need to read this book. You will come to understand that God truly is a merciful, compassionate God that will give everyone a chance for salvation according to His timing. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, Worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service. And be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. Sometimes learning more about God is simply unlearning what someone else has told you about God. So in order to develop a deeper relationship with God, you must unlearn what you have learned. Only about a third of the world's population claim to be Christian, and the numbers are falling. If Christianity is getting smaller, that can only mean hell is getting larger. Does this really mean that God will consign at least 60% of humanity to a never-ending burning hell when they die? Is this really the action of a just and merciful God? The common teaching of hell is really a mistaken tradition that has replaced what the Bible actually reveals about life, death, and God's plan of salvation. It has extinguished the real hope that God offers for everyone who has ever lived. There are simple biblical truths that open up new avenues of understanding about how God treats everyone with respect and justice. 60% of humanity is not going to be tormented forever in a burning hell fire. Order your free book entitled, If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 
27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.